Support for Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is April 12th, and this is the healthcare edition of the show. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I have healthcare specialist Todd Campbell on the line, as usual. Welcome to the show, Todd. Hi, Christine. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, the allergies are killing me a little bit, but that is springtime in D.C. I was just going to say, you know, it, it, the winter is great for that, but, you know, I'll, I'll suffer some allergies if I can get some warmer weather. Absolutely. Give me sunshine and sniffles any day. <laughs> Perfect. So, for today's show, we want to address a very important topic in the world of healthcare that I don't think we've ever really talked about, at least not on a macro level, and that is the opioid addiction crisis that's going on in this country right now. There are so many Americans out there that have procedures every year that require some sort of pain medication afterwards. There are so many people out there that need chronic pain medication and a lot of this time, this comes in the form of opioids, and there are all sorts of ramifications of that. They work great, but people can end up being very addicted to them. And this is an issue that you guys have likely seen in the news because it is becoming a, a more highlighted crisis. But I think the issue also largely isn't even talked about enough. The magnitude of it really is frighteningly large. Tens of millions of people, Christine, uh, prescribe these drugs or, or going through procedures where these drugs can be prescribed every year. And sadly, just because of the way the brain works, the chemistry, the biology of it, many of those people uh, will become dependent on those drugs. And sadly, you know, we're at a position in a point now where, you know, more than 50 people per day are losing their lives because of their uh, dependency on opiate medicines. Yeah, the magnitude of this issue, it really can't be understated. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, every single day, 650,000 opioid prescriptions are dispensed. 3,900 people initiate non-medical use of prescription opioids. And meanwhile, the number of people that are dying due to opioid overdoses is growing at you know alarming exponential rates. Um, opioids killed 300, or sorry, 33,000 people in 2015. That's nearly as many people as car crashes. And deaths, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And it, the rate, of, the rate of, of deaths due to prescription opioids, it's quadrupled since 1999. I mean, even in sleepy New Hampshire, where I where I sit, uh, we're losing hundreds of people every year to this crisis. Exactly. And so when we look at this from a perspective of how do we solve this. There are several different companies that are working in this space trying to combat the issue from different angles, and we're going to get to them later in the show. But the first thing that we want to talk about is just address some basic fundamentals of you know what is pain, how do painkillers work, how does addiction happen. So let's start with some basics of, of what actually is pain. All right, so so pain is pain is more than just when you stub your toe, right? I mean, you have to think about what is, what the process is going on there when you stub your toe that makes you think, oh my God, that hurt. And I think what's important to recognize is that it is it's a process that's designed to protect ourselves, right? What happens when we hurt ourselves is an electrical signal gets sent from the nerves to the brain, um, and that causes a whole series of different things to happen, 
including the release of hormone-like chemicals uh, that can cause tissue to swell. And that swelling can amplify the signal and can also um, cause additional pain too. So we're talking about a signaling system that's designed to protect us uh, when we experience things that hurt us. Exactly. And so the way that painkillers then work is you take them, they're absorbed through the gastrointestinal tract, and they attach to one of four different types of opioid uh, pain receptors that are in the brain. So essentially what happens here is that it reduces the pain without actually removing the cause of the pain, which makes sense because you can't really like unstub a toe. But the point is that these work on the brain to reduce your sensation that you have of, of feeling that acute sensation. Right. They're attaching to those receptors on the brain cells. So what's happening is that that's creating a, a biological response. Okay. The brain is then releasing, uh, do, well, causes the brain to release dopamine, right? Which is, helps, I mean, that's what, what gets released when we do things like eat a great meal or, or have sex or natural biological processes, right? So things that we uh, find pleasurable. And so it's, it's stimulating that same same brain response, the same biological response. And that's, that's big, right? Because it, it's, it's what drives people to want to have that same feeling of euphoria uh, in the future. But what happens is that the impact on those receptors degrades over time. So a higher dose of the opiate needs to be taken to be able to get that same release of dopamine. And the other thing, Christine, we have to remember too, is that, that you know, it activates another part of the brain, which is our memory part of our brain, which says, okay, well, well, I feel great. What is it around me? What is around me? Why do I feel great? So we have these associations that we make between people and places and things that when we encounter those again in the future, it triggers something in our memory to say, ooh, I felt really good when I was here and I did X, right? It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you have a favorite restaurant, but I have this one restaurant I love to go to, right? It makes a phenomenal steak. And every time I walk by that place, I'm like, oh my God, I start salivating because I want to go in and have that steak. And unfortunately, that's what is happening here. We're, we're targeting this, these important receptors of the brain that are telling our body, ooh, this felt good when I was here and I did X, Y, Z. Exactly. And therein lies the problem where if you are taking a painkiller, you feel really good and you associate all these these good feelings attached to that drug. And that is a very slippery surface. And so you wind up, as you mentioned, needing more and more of this drug to get yourself to that same pleasurable place, whether that's simply removing the pain that you were feeling or feeling that euphoria. Either way, or both combined, that's something that people are wired to seek out. And the problem there is that even though you do over time uh, develop some sort of a tolerance for the drug and need more and more to get yourself back to that place, it doesn't necessarily diminish the bad other effects of the drug. For example, opioids have really dangerous respiratory effects. If you take too much of them, you will stop breathing and you will die. And that, that's how overdose happens. But when you develop a tolerance to the drug, it doesn't decrease the danger of the respiratory effects. It just makes it so that you need more and more of the drug to get the other euphoria effects. Right, there are other parts of our brain that are working in concert here, and if they see an environment now which is opiate dependent, they're adjusting those processes to, to, to make as if that's the new normal. 
So like you said, you know, it, it, just because becoming more tolerant doesn't mean that, that somehow you're becoming more tolerant to the risk of the effects of, of these negative effects. I mean, you've got cardiac effects, all sorts of nasty things that come along with being opiate dependent. I mean, we, you know, even as far as things like constipation, cardiac, like you talked about the, the, the risk of, of, of uh, inability to breathe. I mean, all of these things, uh, yet, yet that pull, that push and pull that's caused by the brain because it's, it's being triggered and saying, "Oh, this this feels really good." Uh, is is it outweighs, I guess, the logic behind why would I take more of these medicines because I'm putting it myself and my body at risk. Exactly, and so this is a problem that's being addressed by the pharmaceutical industry, and we want to give our listeners a little taste of how different companies are approaching that. But first, support for industry focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust and who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickandloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Thanks again so much to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast today. So, as mentioned before the break, we are going to dive into a handful of companies that are working on developing alternative types of pain medication. And the first one is one that we covered in our March episode of Industry Focus Healthcare on the show that we did about year to date best performers. And this one is Pasira Pharmaceuticals, which at the time was up 56% just from January 1 and now is up only, <laughs> quotes, 43%. Yeah, it been a been a very good year for this company, and part of it is because it markets a drug uh, that could theoretically reduce the likelihood uh, of someone falling into that trap of becoming dependent upon uh, opiates. Um, Christine, earlier you said that how many how many uh, prescriptions are being written per day for for opiates? Did you say six hundred and fifty thousand? Opioid prescriptions are dispensed every single day, and that's according to the HHS. Okay, so so let's let's think about that for a second. Give our our listeners a moment to digest that and to to come up with a guess in their minds of how much in dollars, what kind of a market size do they think that that might be? Hint, is it, is hint, it, it's big. It's really big. Yeah, twelve point six billion dollars uh, are being spent on opiate medication every year. And uh, while that that's a frightening statistic, and many for for many different reasons, uh, I think it can't be lost that you know uh, when you have a market that that that's that big, uh, and you've got a potential to disrupt it by developing something that's far less addictive, uh, you're going to have a lot of drug makers that are going to step up and and try to come up with a solution. And Pacera is one of those companies. It, it's got a drug Xperil that's been on the market for a few years now. And it's a local anesthetic that is uh, inserted at the time of a surgical procedure that has been proven to not only reduce pain in patients, but to reduce the likelihood uh, of them needing opiates in their in their recovery period, post-operative recovery period. 
Right. So what makes this a novel drug is that it is delivered with this depot foam applicator that is supposed to extend the release time so that the numbing medicine works for a longer amount of time so that hopefully you don't wind up on an opioid afterwards. Right. Bubivacaine, which I'm sure I'm butchering, uh, is the analgesic, and, and normally that wears off within eight hours. But if you add depot foam to it, you get significantly longer uh, pain relief. And, you know, in, in trials, the trials that justified the FDA approving this drug, you found that, that this drug significantly extended the period of time for a person to actually say, oh, I am in so much pain that I need an opiate. Yep, exactly. And this company now has a partnership with Johnson & Johnson, uh, and hopefully that will help boost sales of this drug even further. So far, it's doing very well. Uh, it had 11% sales growth between 2015 and 2016. They're forecasting another 9% at least. That was at the low end for 2017. This company has a host of other things that they're doing, but because we want to stay fairly focused, uh, we will leave them maybe for another episode. But uh, keep your eye out for more data. They have phase three data coming out in some nerve block studies. That should be later this year. So all in all, lots going on with the company as a whole and also for this specific drug. Yeah, because again, Xperil is only being used in certain patients going under certain procedures. So the idea is that if we can expand that out to a larger addressable patient population, uh, great. And those studies will read out data over the course of the next year or so um, and hopefully show similar results to what they saw in their, uh, in their first registration ready trial. Exactly. So the next company that we want to discuss is called Kara Therapeutics. And this one, I don't think we've mentioned it on Industry Focus, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I know I mentioned it on Motley Fool Answers, if any of our listeners also listened to one of our other Motley Fool shows on the April 4th episode, which was all about biotech investing. And I mentioned it as a company that I'm keeping my eye on, that I'm excited about. And this company it has run up a ton this year, much like Pasira Pharmaceuticals has. And it, it seems to be really on the right track. Essentially, what it's doing is it has this opioid compound that targets something called the kappa opioid receptor. And this is different than the way that traditional opioids like morphine work, because those target the mu opioid receptor. And so essentially, the difference here is that the drug that Care Therapeutics is making doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. And so it doesn't come with the side effect of euphoria that gives rise to abuse and addiction. Right. And, you know, all these painkillers have to go through trials to see how uh, how likely they are to be subject to abuse. And when they did this uh, trial on this drug, CR845, uh, they basically ended up with placebo-like uh, reports of drug liking and feeling high and wanting to take this drug again. So you've got a drug that theoretically can deliver pain relief more closely to the source of the pain because, again, it's targeting these kappa opioid receptors that are located in the periphery of the body, right? And it's not passing the blood-bearing barrier, so you've got placebo-like euphoria. You know, that that's kind of a, a win-win, if you will. In March last month, they reported some data uh, of a, from a mid-stage trial evaluating its use in, in dialysis patients who suffer from a chronic itch, which is very frustrating, it's painful, um, and, and it affects about 70% of the 456,000 people who are on dialysis. And sure enough, it reduced pain significantly versus placebo. Um, they're gonna sit down and talk to the FDA, figure out 
what their process should be for, for phase three trial, and hopefully we'll get some more insight into how they plan to do that phase three trial within the coming months. Yes. Uh, so lots going on with Kara Therapeutics. I would say very worth keeping an eye on. Um, so we, we talk about the, the mu opioid receptors as compared to these kappa antagonists. The mu ones are pretty much going to be more effective than targeting kappa every time. It's just the nature of the biology there. So CR845 probably won't ever completely replace mu receptors, but there is a company out there called Nectar Therapeutics that is trying to develop a mu opioid receptor targeting drug that crosses the blood-brain barrier, but it does so slowly. And the point there is to reduce the euphoria and also lessen the risk of abuse. Right. I mean, because it's also more selective in how it's targeting those mu receptors, right? So, you know, it's targeting more selectively, it's passing more slowly through the blood-brain barrier, and as a result, you're getting that same, uh, similar, you're getting that efficacy of pain relief, but you're also getting less of a likelihood of the euphoria. And in tough-to-treat cane cases, chronic pain cases, um, that could be a major advantage for this company. Now, We've already seen a positive readout in late stage studies for this drug. Um, The company itself has a history, a strategy where it likes to license its drugs out to other larger players. And it is said that it's going to be evaluating its options with this drug uh, now. So perhaps they announce a licensing deal over the course of the coming months. And then, you know, once that's done, maybe this drug gets filed for FDA approval relatively shortly thereafter. Right. It seems like they're all done testing it. They've proven that it's very effective. And at this point, they're just looking for a partner. And at that point, it'll file with the FDA. When and if it gets there, we can probably expect around a, a mid-teens royalty. That seems to be fairly typical for this company. And it's kind of an interesting strategy in general. I mean, I, I would say it probably me- makes the upside a little bit more contained, but it's also less risky. It's less risky, and it keeps the dollars flowing in for them to work on other projects that they've got going on. So I think it's it's an interesting company. The stock has moved a lot since it announced the results from its chronic back pain study last month. So investors have to recognize that it's maybe not as cheap as it was, you know, four or six weeks ago. But certainly something to keep an eye on, especially given the fact that, you know, you could get some news uh, uh, not in a not very long period of time of somebody signing on to, to, to um, commercialize it. Yep. So, last company that we want to talk about today is one that's called Flexion. They, in December of last year, filed for approval of their drug, which is called Zilretta. Yeah, Zilretta is an intriguing d- drug because uh, it could reduce the need for both opioids and corticosteroid shots. You know, if you suffer from osteoarthritis of the knee, you know how much pain. Uh, you're under uh, regularly because of it. Um, typically speaking, you know, you start off with things like NSAIDs, you know, so, you, you know, you're taking aspirin and ibuprofen and those type of things. Then you may advance to other type of, of solutions, including corticosteroid injections uh, that are given once every three months. The problem with that is that those corticosteroid injections oftentimes wear off relatively quickly in the matter of weeks. And if you're still suffering from chronic pain, you might need other Uh, pain relief medications, including opioids. Zilretta in its trials showed that it could control pain for the entire three-month period. And, you know, with, since it's not a, an opiate, um, that's theoretically a major advantage. I mean, if you can control pain for that entire period 
and basically remove the need to have to rely on opiates as a backup medication. Um, it wouldn't take a lot of patients who are suffering from, from pain that requires corticosteroids to make this drug into a top seller. And full disclosure, I happen to be long the stock myself, um, and a lot can go wrong from now, from here. I mean, they, the FDA could come back and say they want more studies. The FDA could say, uh, no, you know, yeah, we're going to reject it. Um, so this is far from, you know, we're not on the market yet, but it's an intriguing drug. And if it does end up on the market, peak sales estimates are upwards of $500 million and perhaps could even be a blockbuster drug if the label ended up being expanded to reach some other joints. Um, approval should come, I believe, in October. One other thing that you need to mention when you're talking about this drug is the potential buyout rumors. And At The Motley Fool, we don't believe in buying a stock just because of the buyout rumors, but I think when you're looking at the share price of this company and trying to understand how much the market cap has moved lately, this is the center of that story. So, pretty much on March 23rd, Fierce Pharma reported that Flexion's board had voted to accept a buyout offer from Sanofi that would be worth more than a billion dollars in cash, which has inflated this company's market cap quite a bit. I believe today it's standing around $845 million. You have a whole handful of Sanofi executives going from Sanofi over to Flexion. Just last week, the one of the top officials at Sanofi joined Flexion as the chief medical officer. So it certainly does seem like this buyout would make sense, although to my knowledge, neither company has commented to confirm that it actually is even being discussed. Right. It's all rumor and innuendo right now. I mean, you're drawing some lines between some dots and who knows what ends up happening. Obviously, there's a lot of activity in this space. That means there's a lot of options that Sanofi could be considering. So, you know, don't buy a stock, any stock, this stock, based upon the potential for a suitor to come and pony up some money to to buy. Instead, look at all of these companies uh, on the basis of can they displace the use of opiates and help reduce the risk of uh, dependency and potential deaths. Exactly. And you pretty much did my disclosure for me. Thanks, Todd. (laughs) So, that does wrap up our show for today. Hopefully, we were able to give you a better understanding of this market and some of the ways that companies are approaching it in novel ways to try to reduce dependence on opioids and combat what is a truly devastating crisis. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!